You turn your Bibles to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. We continue our little mini-series here on marriage and the family. And I want to set the stage here for this particular message by reminding us that we absolutely must look at the context here. And as we began last Sunday to really put this into focus at the end of last Sunday morning's message, we now continue that message because the extension of what carries on in verse 22 comes from verse 21. And so if you miss that part of it, then you miss what's being said here. Because as I shared with you last Sunday, there is no schism in the Godhead. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are God. And that basic understanding is where we start as we look at marriage. And so Jesus Christ being God has no problem submitting to God the Father because he's perfectly loving and perfectly kind and perfectly majestic and perfectly powerful. So our example is not our human frailties and failures. Our example in marriage is Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen? And so if we get this part, as we move forward into these two roles, we get to the ladies first. But as we begin to unfold marriage from a biblical perspective, I think it's very important for us to gaze back at what God intended. Notice what it says in verse 22, and we'll look at this and then we'll pray. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we have come this day to hear your word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak from heaven. We as your servants have ears to hear. Please instruct us. Lord, correct us, encourage us, strengthen us, build up our marriages, Lord, uh, in this place. And as we attend unto your word, Lord, would it bring fruit in our lives? Would it bear forth light in this world? As we live our lives for you and our families, would the world be Put on notice that this is your plan. And so, God, we give you this time. Ask now that you would use it for your perfect plans for us as your people. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And so it says here very clearly, and I want you to see this very distinctly, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Before we attend unto the the principles contained here, it's very important that from Genesis chapter 2... To the end of the New Testament, God, when he defines marriage, he does so as one man and one woman for life. That is the only marriage that he authorizes. And when people seek to make it something else and they claim to be a Christian, they are denying the plain teaching of God's word. Because it says very clearly that here you have a genetically, physiologically female person and a genetically and a physiologically male person. It's not two men, it's not two women, or any combination other than one man, one woman for life. That comes from Genesis chapter 2. That paradigm is repeated by Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 when he's asked a question about divorce, which, by the way, we'll be looking at tonight. So if you have any questions on the subject of what the Bible teaches about divorce, come back at 6.30 tonight. 
were teaching from the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus had to say on that vital subject that's racking our world today. But here in this context, what the Lord is really saying through the Apostle Paul is, look, I created marriage in the beginning. He saw Adam's loneliness. And so God says there in Genesis 2, it is not good that a man should live alone. If you've ever been to a bachelor pad, you know exactly what God was saying. Amen? (laughs) It's not good. It's just not good. Men left to their own devices, not good. And so God looks at this situation. He says, look, I need, this is, this is the plan here. I'm going to make a woman that's comparable. And that word comparable there in the book of Genesis means completion. It doesn't mean lesser than. It simply means here's Adam. He's got some issues. We men have issues. Amen? Say amen, men. Amen. amen. We got issues. We have issues. If you left the world in men's hands, it'd look much like the Lord of the Flies, okay? (laughs) We'd just be eating each other or something. I don't know. It wouldn't be good. God uniquely and wonderfully in and of himself possesses all of the characteristics that we would generally attribute to a woman. Kindness, gentleness, nurturing. You, You don't want men nurturing. We're not good at it. Nurturing is rub dirt in it, get up, and get back on your bike. That's men's nurturing. We don't nurture well. You wives want to know how the accident happened and why just, you know, could you come in? Let's bake some cookies. We'll make you feel fine about your knee. It's going to be okay. Us guys, we're like, look, you still have a leg. Get over it. But God wonderfully possesses these characteristics that we would normally associate with a female personality. With with those things that we would say, look, this is how my wife normally is. I am not normally like that. My response normally is to most things, what happened? Who did it? Who's responsible? Why did it happen? And how do we fix it? Amen? My wife is like, well, you know, the sky was blue and it was very nice. And today we, she sees it from a different perspective. I don't see it from that. I need her to see things for me from that perspective and to help me grow. So many things in my life have been transformed because my wife is a woman. And boy, am I thankful. She has helped me see the world through a different set of eyes. Helped me live my life in a different way and fashion. And so God didn't make a mistake in Genesis when he presided over the first wedding and he made it a man and a woman. He did not make a mistake when he says, look, here's how it works. This is what we're going to do. This is marriage. And so when mankind says, no, it it can now be two guys or two women, that's not God's take on marriage. And so if you're a Christian, you're supposed to have God's take on marriage. It's that simple. We have to have God's take on marriage. You find that offensive? You have a problem with God, not with me. He defined it. He's the one that made it, he invented it, he knows what makes one good, and he knows what will destroy one. And so he says, 
that it is a man and a woman. And so he goes on to reinforce that by pointing us back to verse 21. And there it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And so it says in verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. The issue is the lordship and the headship of Jesus Christ. The issue is not the man is the king of his castle. The issue is not whatever the guy says that floats 100% of the time. It's not what's being said there. Husbands, you're to be so much like Jesus that as your wife sees Christ in you, that she has no problem understanding God's eternal plans and purposes and care and love for her. It's about the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want to make this very clear. It's not about a win-lose situation. Because if you've been knit together, if God has done this incredible work by bringing you together as a couple, then to tear you apart is to tear you apart. So if it's win-lose, then you both lose. It has to be win-win. And so he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also, notice the focus, Christ is head of the church. Takes it back to the lordship issue of Jesus Christ. And he is the savior of the body. There's not one person in here, if you claim to be a Christian, the only reason you're a Christian is because Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross for your sins. He paid the price for them. He has earned the right in that respect to be Lord. He paid your price. And so he's Lord. As D.L. Moody wisely said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then could it be that he's not Lord at all? He's supposed to be Lord of every marriage. He's supposed to be in control of our Christian homes. You see, in that sense, it becomes very easy to see what the apostle is saying here. And therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, notice it doesn't say to every lame idea that the guy comes up with. It it does not say that if your husband decides that he wants to cheat on your tax forms, that you're obligated to sign them. It, It does not say that if all of a sudden your hubby decides that he wants an open marriage, you need to go along with it. It says, subject to him as unto Christ. Men, we're supposed to be like Jesus. So let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. It's a similitude. In other words, it's a place where, look, this is is the model. The model is Jesus Christ. Jesus will never abuse you ladies. Jesus will never speak a harsh word to you. Jesus will never abuse you in any way, shape, or form. He will not demean you. He will never make you lesser. None of those things will happen in Christ. And that's the model. That's the model. We're to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And as you define these things, as you look then basically what it's saying is God's way is the best way. 
And so that best way is this faith that we have in Christ, that he is Lord. And it's a peaceful order. It's a peaceful structure. Can you imagine if God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all of a sudden decided, well, I'm not doing it. Jesus is the creator God, amen? In him and by him, all things consist that it consists. Anything it is, is because of him. One day the Holy Spirit said, well, I'm just not energizing your creation. Forget it. You can, just, you can see the Holy Spirit with arms folded, sitting there talking, just, I'm not doing it. The whole universe would fly apart at its seams, Amen. Everything that we know that's held in check by the power of the Holy Spirit, the creation of God, the Godhead working together seamlessly, flawlessly, in perfect love, in perfect harmony, can you imagine if that happened? And yet Jesus is fully God, Holy Spirit fully God, God the Father fully God. They're actually one God. There's no schism. There's no problem. They're not at odds with one another. They're not battling each other. Well, today, the Holy Spirit's in charge. And tomorrow, Jesus is in charge. You know, it's Sunday. So God the Father's in charge on Sunday. There is a seamless headship that includes order and structure, and it absolutely, 100% of the time, is loving and kind and gentle and purposeful and willful And absolutely zero evidence of the flesh. That's the model. That's the picture. 1 Peter chapter 5 really begins in verse 5. We'll pick up in verse 8. But it says there in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour Can I tell you that Satan hates every Christ-honoring marriage? And here's why. Because when mom and dad aren't honoring the Lord, the kids will also not honor the Lord. And if those kids don't honor the Lord, then their extended family and friends end up not honoring the Lord. And it is the smallest component of human society, the family. And so for every godly family, there is a building block of a godly culture, of a godly place that we dwell, of a godly world. And so hating hating on on marriage is exactly what you can expect the enemy to do. And so he's going to stir up strife. He's going to cause division. And it says there in verse 9, we need to resist him and be steadfast in faith. We're all going through the same thing. So your marriage is going to be under attack, and what's going to get attacked is the headship of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do that. My husband was really mean to me, so I'm just going to return the favor. Well, my wife did this, so I'm not going to treat her like Jesus. All the enemy has to do is get a foothold, and as soon as he gets a foothold, he'll begin to tear the whole thing apart. And as he tears the marriage apart, your families are forced to take sides, aren't they? For those of you that have been involved in some type of bitterness in marriage, you know that the brothers and the sisters get involved and there's counsel that goes out. Well, I'd hate him too if he did that to me. And all of a sudden you can't find Jesus Christ as Lord. 
You see, we all have to have the same place that we start from, and that is submitting yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's having submissive faith. We have to trust God that he is able in our marriages to keep that which he has committed unto the day of Christ Jesus. We need to remember that. Because if we don't, then all of a sudden we get our little selfish twists and tweaks that we think we're entitled to in marriage. And before you know it, it's about who can exercise the most authority. It's who can have the most power. It's who gets the last word. It's who can do the worst. It's who can inflict the most pain. It's who can cause the most amount of damage. I cannot tell you how many hundreds, if not thousands of hours of marriage counseling that I've done in my time in ministry to where I sit down with people and it's about who can damage who the furthest. It's who can slap who the hardest. Well, he did this, so I'm doing that. She did this, I'm going to do that. That is not the plan of the Lord. The plan of the Lord is you look at your stuff and you say, man, would Jesus do it that way? And then your spouse looks at their stuff. Could I say that Jesus would handle it that way? Would Jesus say those words to my wife? Would he in his marvelous love and care, by the way, he died for you to prove how much he loves you. It was there that he met with the disciples that he girded himself about the waist and he sat down and he washed their feet. He said, look, let me serve you. That's the example that we have of leadership in our homes. Can you say that you're a foot washer in your home? It's about submitting and placing our faith in Christ. You know, there's an old 70s bumper sticker. I used to have one on my car. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen? That's really the case with marriage. What God says, what God has, has written in his word... Those are our directives as the body of Christ. This whole concept of psychologizing these things to where, well, I know the Bible says this, but it doesn't really pertain to that area of life. Look, Jesus Christ is Lord, period. He's Lord of your finances. He's Lord of your physical relationship. He's Lord over your resources. He's Lord over your children. He's Lord, period. There's no area in life where Jesus Christ is not Lord if you're a Christian. So you can't pull that out. Well, except my anger. I'm not giving my anger God can't have. My bitterness, I'm keeping that. That's mine. That's my weapon. Jesus Christ is Lord. We all submit to his lordship. That settles it. Puts it into perspective for us. It's not willpower. It's submissive faith. Can I, can I say to you, I, I don't even know how many times I've heard people say something like this. Well, it feels like this. Or I feel this way. Or, you know, my feelings were damaged. Or my feelings were hurt. And, and again, feelings are valuable, but they're also very, very fickle. And they are extremely deceptive. The enemy can get in and twist your feelings. We get back to truth in lordship. I say, look, Lord, here's the issue. I said something I shouldn't have said, and I said it in a way that doesn't honor you. That's on me. No matter how truthful the information was with which I was acting. Rightness 
does not make righteousness. You can have all your facts correct and do it in a way that doesn't honor the Lord. And so this picture of submissive faith, we all, every knee will bow. Amen? Jesus Christ is Lord. Make sure you get that. And so he moves on now really to talk to the ladies. And you're going to see something here that he spends nearly 400 words on the guys and only 54 on the ladies. There's a reason. We don't listen. Us guys are a little thick-headed at times. We, we kind of have to be reminded, look, the model for me as a husband is Jesus Christ's life sacrificially given for my wife. That's my model. So to you ladies, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's head of the wife also is Christ's head of the church. He's Savior of the body, and therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. You see, this is the application of this principle of submissive faith. And so as we think on that particular principle, we have to realize, look, when it gets right down to it, every human relationship, every city that was ever built started with a family unit. Go back to Adam and Eve. They have a couple of boys, Cain and Abel, and it was from there that all human society went forth. And then another couple has more children, and they're linked together. They live in some place. You see, we're supposed to be that influence of salt, that influence of light in the world. Our marriages are supposed to be so Christ-honoring, so God-honoring, that other people will be affected by the way we live in our Christian marriages. They'll look at how we handle problems and say, boy, I hope one day to be able to handle that conflict that way. As the Lord Jesus would speak those things. And so here are these simple 54 words. In a marriage relationship, remember verse 21 is very clear. It's not just the wife that is called to submit. The husband is also called to submit and submit fully to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The words there doesn't mean that you're submitting to your husband because he's Lord. It's because Jesus Christ is the Lord. Men, if you have that view that you are the Lord of your castle, you can take that puppy out this afternoon and do some target practice. But that isn't what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you're supposed to be so much like Jesus that your wife would see Jesus, and because you look so much like Jesus, she'd go, wherever you want to go, I'm going. Whatever you say, I can follow that because the Lord won't mislead. The Lord won't misguide. The Lord won't bring in falsehood and and anything that's harmful into your marriage relationship. And so the picture, obviously, is one that the whole system is working with Jesus Christ as Lord. Can't imagine Jesus walking into your home and disrespecting your wife. And I can't imagine that Jesus would sit there and go, well, you know, just let your husband have it. You know, after all, he is him. Can I tell you also that this isn't a blanket excuse that every lame idea that a husband comes up with, the wife, wife is somehow obligated to follow. That isn't what it's teaching. 
If your husband decides he wants to go up the off-ramp, you can politely say, No! In Jesus' name. It's not what he's talking about. It's not talking about ultimate authority. It's talking about the lordship of Jesus Christ. Ladies are going to have, imagine this, just for a second. Bear with me here. If every husband was exactly like Jesus, how tough do you think it would be to submit to that authority? Not very tough, I would guess. It's not going to be hard. That's the model. Ultimately, somebody's got to come up with the plan. Ultimately, there has to be, maybe there's a final decision that needs to be made. They're going to be rare. They'll be infrequent. When they do come, you simply hear from the Lord on those things. There also won't be a schism. There's not going to be a division. God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are not going to vie for your attention by giving you competing thoughts, concepts, and ideas. I always tell people when they come in and there's some kind of problematic thing, from God's perspective, there's an answer. He's Lord. He's not going to tell the wife one thing and the husband something else. So if there's a problem, it's a problem you're not hearing from God. Someone's not hearing from the Lord. So take it back to the Lord. Can I tell you something? Praying is not the same as picking. Praying is not the same as picking. Praying is not you prodding and poking and playing Holy Spirit. Praying is you go back to God and say, Lord, whoever needs to change here, change us. Whoever needs the attitude adjustment. You know, you do that with your kids, right? You need an attitude adjustment. So you send them someplace where they can think about what's going on. The same is true here in marriage. Sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. It's like you go back, it's amazing how many times, instead of picking and prodding and poking, I go back and pray. And you know what God does? Jeff, you need to go apologize. But I don't want to, God. I, had all, I, I have a spreadsheet with all this stuff, and I'm right. Yeah, you're right, but you said it wrong. Ah, oh, I hate that. Then you go back and you find out, yeah, it was actually you. And if you just rephrased the question, if you had taken the statement and remembered that that is the bride of Christ, that's the one for whom Jesus died, and he's trying to communicate through your words and your lips, and all of a sudden you go, oh, honey, let me, can I, can I share with you what's on my heart? It's a lot different than, boy, you're dumb as a brick. How come you don't get this? Is there some problem with your mental acuity today? It's a little different situation, isn't it? But you know what? It causes the other person to then ponder, hey, am I hearing from God? Am I really receiving from the Lord? And so the concept really is quite simple. Ultimately, somebody's got to have the final word. And if you're both being like Jesus, it's not a problem to just say, you know what, maybe I got a little bit of a different spin on this, but I'm simply going to pray. I'm simply going to let it go. How many 
small things turned into big things because we won't relinquish them to the Lord. How many problem areas in marriage do we have because we grab hold of something that's tiny and we let the enemy blow it out of proportion? Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, I, I was talking with Connie and there's so many things that I now see in such a different perspective because of who she is as a woman and how she's helped me grow personally. I don't feel like my headship is threatened by my wife in any way, shape, or form. Matter of fact, I believe it's enhanced by her. I actually hear more clearly from the Lord because of who she is. So many times she will actually hear from the Lord about some specific thing that we're trying to both hear on, and when I hear her words, I'm like, that's it? You got it, I didn't. I don't even know how many hundreds, if not thousands of times, that's happened in our nearly 40 years of marriage. You know what, honey? You're right. We're doing it that way. That's how that submission to Christ works. It's not submission to harebrained lameness or silly ideas. It's not you ladies need to be perpetually pregnant in a granny dress you know, whipping your own organic butter from happy cows. That's not what it's talking about. I don't know who started that whole movement, but they need to be slapped in the love of Jesus. Not God's plan, I know that. Because when the husband and the wife are both submitted to the Lord... There's going to be peace. There's going to be harmony. There's going to be unity. There'll be commonality of vision. There'll be complete understanding in most things. You know, you're still going to have your humanness. Things will come that maybe you're not going to see eye to eye on. But you both turn to the same Lord then. You don't turn to your own silly lameness and flesh. You turn to the Lord and say, Lord, if I need to change, change me. If he needs to change, change him. And let God have it. When we think on these things, at the end of the day, God's made us wonderful. He's made us unique. He's purposefully done so. And when he puts us together in marriage, what he's saying is, look, the individual characteristics and traits that I have as a human being and and my wife Connie has as a human being and, and all of those spiritual things that the Lord's done in my life and the things that she's done in her life, when you put them together, they actually assemble into a greater whole than either of us individually. We become something where we do not lose our individuality. Matter of fact, the individuality is even enhanced. But we become something together. We actually have more mental ability. We have more spiritual truth available to us. We have the ability to hear from the Lord in a more concise way because there's a broader breadth of knowledge in our, in our living, in our world. The things that we experience, we see with two sets of emotions, with two abilities to, to hear the word of the Lord. And so we both benefit from that. It's not a threat. We benefit from it. And so we submit as unto the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time.
And Lord, it's a, it's a tough concept for us. Our, our world is so twisted in its thinking about what marriage looks like, and we want to cling oftentimes to the dictates and the principles and the practice of the world. We pray that you would help us always and in all things to remember that there is exactly one Lord, and it's you, Jesus. And to the extent that we live our lives in a way that honors you, uh, God, you will be the one that takes the things that divide us and separate us, and you'll be the one that gives us the answers we need and gives us the solutions that we can follow that will bring you glory and honor and praise. So I pray that if there's any marriages here this morning that maybe they're suffering through a time of turmoil or trouble, God, that they would turn their eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and let the things of this world become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for putting up with us, God. Thanks for blessing us with our spouses, our children. Watch over us. Keep us. Help us always and in all things to let you be Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.